So this is our ninth road trip, but we've never traveled within Canada. Can you believe that? I can't. We've never traveled within our little boundaries, the Great White North. We have not. So let's change mm. that today. I was thinking maybe we should uh, go back to May 26th, 1969. What do you think? I'm thinking that's a good date, and I'm thinking Montreal. And if you are thinking Montreal, then you'd be correct. So you win the prize. Ding, 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 ding. And <laughs> even better, because I know you love this stuff, and so, well, so do I. It's Beatles related too. So let's Yay. let's hop in and uh, head back to Montreal. Y'all set? I'm set. All right, let's go. Maps? Check. Snacks? Double check. Tunes? Check. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we are cruising the rock and roll highway in our way back music machine. Are you ready, my friend? I sure am. I have the feeling this is going to be the start of a great adventure. Kind of a magical mystery tour. Somehow I knew you were going to say that. So uh, Montreal is just down the road from me, actually. It's only about two and a half hours. I guess a little longer for you, eh, from Toronto? Depends on how I drive. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, It's longer, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I love Montreal, one of my favorite cities, actually. And uh, my son's going to be studying there, doing his master's in the fall, actually. So it'll give me plenty of excuse to go visit. That's a beautiful city. Beautiful city. It it is. And uh, you ready to go back? I am. Okay. So, Punch it in. May 26th, 1969. All right. Here we go. Hey, turn up the radio. I think uh, there's someone pretty important being interviewed here. Okay. Now, now that you have a song set in one of the lines, and correct me if there's any, Christ, oh, it ain't easy. Rubbish. I didn't say The lyrics didn't? go, Christ, you know it ain't easy. You know how hard it can be. The way things are going, go in, they're going to crucify me and you, baby. But in the, in, the, then in the lyric, you said they were going to crucify you. Yeah, if you take it literally. Well, how did you mean it? I, I, I know that. Uh, it means everything you want it to mean. What did you want it to mean? Uh, they're going to crucify me and you and everyone else. If he's crucified, you well, I haven't, I haven't said that they were going to crucify me. I, I have. I've not. I have. So you make the claim they're going to crucify you. Everyone. But you said they're going to crucify oh, me. Oh, you're going to take it literally. You. Me and, and you. And I well, say the world. I don't permit you to speak for me. Who oh, well, are you speaking I took for? that liberty, Mr. Cap. Well, it's too much of a liberty. I'm speaking on behalf start. of the uh, people in general, you know, in a poetic sense. You're speaking for yourself. It, upset you. it does upset me. If I'm going to well, choose the spokesman, the I'll choose Vaughn Monroe. If I can choose my own singer. And if I, I'll choose Madame New. And I, I can choose there. to sing about what I want in whichever fashion I wish. Yes, but you mustn't include me. Now, you're not my spokesman. Are we agreed? I'm everyone's spokesman. No, you're not mine. Not I'm mine. mine Everybody and I'm yours. Me. So the thing that gets me every time about those interviews with uh, John and Yoko are how belligerent some of the newscasters are, the reporters. Don't you find? There's some there's some horrible ones. Um, you, you know, you just Google it and just be, they just confront him, almost challenge him, you know. But 
and he just wanted peace, right? <laughs> yeah, it was that. It was that whole uh, philosophy of you know just shut up and strum your guitar and make music. And the same way now that they criticize people like LeBron James for speaking out, or yeah, or, or that Dixie Chicks film, you know, shut up and sing. Yes, you know, which is a great film. Yes. Um, yeah, it's it's too bad because sometimes people have something to say other than she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. Hey, Tony, just pull up here. This We're coming to this hotel. It's a very famous, beautiful hotel, Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal, or as you would say. Yes, Hotel La Reine Elizabeth. Listen to that. Look at that, eh? You almost think <laughs> that I spoke French. Perfect. <laughs> what a beautiful hotel. Oh, it's just gorgeous. And we're going to go to room 1742 because it's um, there's a couple in there who we just heard on the radio, John and Yoko, and they're having a bed in for peace. Seven days in bed to give peace a chance. And what happened in that room that day, Tony, is? Well, they recorded a pretty famous song, didn't they? Give Peace a Chance. Yes, actually one of my favorite Beatles tracks. I love that song. There's some really interesting things about this song. First of all, I bet you people don't know that there's a few celebrities singing in this song, like or singing. And play. Tommy Smothers is playing guitar with John Lennon. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And uh, Petula Clark is singing in the chorus because she was in Montreal at the time and she just went into the hotel room, right? Well, that's right. And uh, Petula Clark, for those listening of downtown fame, but I love Petula Clark. I do too. Don't Sleep in the Subway. Love that song. Yeah. She did a lot of songs in French too, by the way. Oh. Did you did you know? That's where her career started was singing French songs. And then she made it big and then she made it back over into the UK. So there you go. Oh, I didn't know that. But I love uh, French singing. God, it's gorgeous. Uh, Oh, it's fantastic. Nana Muscuri always sang beautifully in French. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting about Give Peace a Chance, Tony, if, if, if you bought the single, it was credited to Plastic Ono Band, not even John Lennon, but John gave the songwriting credit to Lennon and McCartney. And do you know why he did that? I'm not sure why. Well, when John and Paul started writing songs in 61 or 60, they made the deal that even if only one of them writes the song, both their names are going to go on it. Yes. So, so John upheld that uh, tradition, which and, is which uh, so is the pretty original cool. forty-five. Says Lennon and McCartney. Well, now, especially nowadays, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But especially since it's not like they were really tight at that moment either. Like they weren't getting <laughs> along. And <laughs> a little understatement there. <laughs> yeah, there was there was no one giving peace a chance in that scenario. <laughs> no. But uh, you know, good for him for doing that. Yeah, so, you know, here's the song, Give Peace a Chance, and, and it's recorded. You sent me something very cool. Um, you sent me something a couple of months ago, or maybe a month ago, of an outtake of him writing the song, which I had never seen before, you see. So it's always good to send me these things, because I don't always see everything. Yeah, interesting um, video, wasn't it? It's, he's uh, trying to come up with lines, uh, because it, the, the rhyming pattern in that song is so interesting. Oh, yeah. It's almost rap. I mean, yeah. a lot of rap artists give it credit as being one of the first rap songs, hmm. believe it or not. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a very cool song. And, and the other thing about, about the whole Give Peace a Chance thing was that in, so this is in May, May 26th, you know, seven months later, he's meeting with Justin, or Justin, not Justin, but Justin's dad, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. On December 23rd, 1969, Lennon has a 40-minute meeting with uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Um, yeah, and, and, Trudeau. And, well, they were, and people were asking them, like, why were you in there so long with the prime minister? You know, and I love Yoko's response. Did, did you hear Yoko's response? Go ahead. Well, just that, you know, she said it was just such a pleasant conversation. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
sums it up rather nice. You know, John said he thought that, that Trudeau was more nervous than he was. Like they just, you know, he wanted to talk about the Beatles and anyways, it was, it was an interesting time. It seems, you know, Tony, at that time, it doesn't seem like just about anything could have happened, you know, with the peace movement and the protests. And it just seemed a bit, you know, very cool time, you know? Well, it sure did. And the way that John approached, uh, you know, coming up with a slogan, right? Give peace a chance. Like what a great slogan. You know, just, yeah. just, just try it. Like, what can hurt? Why, why can't you just try it? You know? Yeah. And, and, and if you think about it, imagine the song, imagine is an extension of give peace a chance. It's exactly what you just said. We can just imagine. We don't have to do anything. We can just collectively imagine. Right. But um, here, quiz time. Do you know why he was in Montreal for that? Well, it was because he couldn't do it somewhere else. Correct. Right. He couldn't get into the U S okay. But he wanted to be close to the U.S. so he could be interviewed on the phone for radio stations. His first choice was Jamaica, but he didn't go there because it was too hot. Oh, interesting. Well, he's from England. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I die in Jamaica too, man. The heat just ah, kills me. <laughs> Unless I go in, you know, maybe March or February. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's the story of John and Yoko. Now, here's the thing interesting. My wife's cousin... My wife is actually born in Montreal, but she grew up in Vancouver, but her cousin stayed in Montreal and her cousin was visiting her family and she stayed in that hotel. Oh, wow. And, and, but what she got when she left was, uh, you know, the swipe keys for, for doors. Yep. The swipe, the swipe key had John and Yoko on it and you're allowed to keep it when you leave. So she mailed me her swipe key. (laughs) Because there's still a plaque on the wall outside the room too, isn't there? Oh, of course there is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, that song made number two in the UK and made number 14 in America, and it would have made higher, but, you know, it was actually banned by a few stations. Yeah, I'm not surprised, but, uh, you know, the recording session itself, like, there were a lot of people in the room. I'm just trying to set the scene, you know, the scene for people. Like, there were, from all the footage I've seen, what, were there 20, 30 people in that room? Oh, minimally. I mean, you had the whole Hare Krishna chapter from Montreal, they had all the no no it's packed. Timothy Leary is in there. If you watch the clip, you can see Timothy Leary clapping along. That's right. Yeah, it, there's about forty people, and that's but mind you, it's a beautiful room and it's a beautiful hotel. And he had the of course best room in the house, but yeah, it's it's a huge amount of people, and you can hear it on the record, and you can hear Lennon's going in and out of his rhythm a bit because he's it's recorded live. Everybody, that song is recorded live in one take. I mean, they over you know no overdubs. Um, other than the, the percussion you hear in it. They had to do some kind of beat to keep the beat going throughout the song. But other than that, it's just pure live. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And uh, one of my, like I said, I love watching the footage of that. And I was always impressed by how eloquent both of them were uh, because the, some of the reporters, like we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, just so ignorant in their line of questioning, you know, obviously out to get them, right? And to belittle them. Yeah, Al Cap, Al Cap, the famous cartoonist, went in there and he actually gets to the point of saying, you have to wake up to this woman every day. And he's just it's like, how rude can you be? Yeah. You're you're insulting her appearance. Really? Um, but you know what? It's, it was a, a brilliant. And then they followed this up with signs. And I, I listen, I was five years old and I remember this in Toronto, Chicago, New York, London. There's all these big signs everywhere in these cities saying, Happy Christmas, war is over, with mm-hmm. love, John and Yoko. Um, and I have a framed one. When you come into my house, the first thing you see is a framed 
war is over little sign that went along with the whole gig piece of chance thing right it's just a lovely movement lovely oh i agree now what you know? was uh, what was on the charts that week the week of the 26th well, of may funny you should ask that because number one that week was get back by the beatles with billy preston and billy now, preston just got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and get this he's the only guy that's ever gotten credit on a beatles record like that that's right. They say get back the Beatles and Billy Preston, right? That's right. Yeah, and he just got into and I full disclosure, I love Billy. Oh, me too. No, nothing for nothing, nothing for nothing, nothing for nothing. Uh will will I go around in circle? I love him. Love him. Love him. Well, me too, and it's no secret. I've mentioned it before, I think on our other podcast. One of my go-to clips is uh, from the concert for George when uh Billy Preston uh does that fantastic version. And now what the song is uh just I don't know why I've blanked here. What's the name of the song? That, my, my sweet lord. Yeah, my sweet lord. Yeah, that's one of my go-to clips. And just for you, it's in the Spotify playlist already, which will, will be finished by the end of this weekend. But it's in there already. Oh, fantastic! So the Beatles yeah. at number one. What? Yeah. So number five um, was a song called "Oh Happy Day" by the Edwin Hawkins Singers. Okay. Here's a funny, very quick story. If you take the chords of "Oh Happy Day" and play them backwards, that's how Harrison got "My Sweet Lord." Just saying. Uh, number four was a group called the Cow Sills with their record Hair. Three, Mercy, a song called Love Can Make You Happy. Number two, a song I just love still. It makes it puts a smile on my face. Number two is The Fifth Dimension and Aquarius Let the Sun Shine In. Yeah. <laughs> just love that song. That, that's total <laughs> flower power, isn't it? Boy. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> and that's actually from, is that not from Hair as well? It is from Hair, yes. Yeah, I saw the movie here, and I saw the play here in Toronto when they revived it back in the 90s. But um, great music in that play. That's one of the few musicals I don't mind, you know? Yeah, because I know we both uh, share a mutual uh, dislike of musical theater in general. but <laughs> Avoidance of? <laughs> well, that's an interesting uh, chart this week. Now, I think we should, uh, on the next stage of our trip here, let's do it. There is a Beatles connection to our next trip. There is. Well, let's jump way ahead uh, to May 29th, 2009. What do you think? Yeah, not a great day in rock history, but there is a Beatle connection. There yes. is a huge Beatle connection. So punch it in and uh, let's go. Okay, so from Montreal in 1969, we're down in sunny Los Angeles, California in uh, 2009, May 29th. But the sun isn't shining on Phil Spector. And that's our Beatles connection. Phil Spector just got accused and charged with murdering an actress. And he is going to be spending, what they say, 19 years uh, minimum, right behind bars for this. So, Well, he died in jail, didn't he? I, yes, he did. I mean, he, he's, he never made it out nope. alive. Um, dug his hair, though. I mean, he had some pretty, uh, pretty cool hair. <laughs> Listen, you can say what you want about Phil, but he was a very influential producer. The Wall of Sound. That's right. The Righteous Brothers, the Ronettes. I mean, he he really had a, at one time, he had a very good ear. And the Beatle Connection, folks, for those of you keeping track, is that he produced uh, John Lennon, Instant Karma, Plastic Ono Band, Imagine, Sometime in New York City albums, co-produced All Things Must Pass with Harrison, and uh, Apple, the Beatles label, reissued his famous Christmas album. But, um, you know, he also, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, Tony, he either destroyed Let It Be or he improved it. Um, 
and we could spend hours talking about Let It Be, but he reproduced the album and he, McCartney hated him for it because mm-hmm. McCartney hated what he did to Long and Winding Road. But you know, my mother would argue it was her favorite song, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a tough one, right? But uh, Phil Spector was certainly the golden child in the 60s in terms of what he was doing. And it's, it seemed like whenever Phil did something new, then everybody started doing that, you know, just uh, just an innovator back then. But uh, I agree with you with Let It Be. You could, that could be a, a whole hours-long chat onto itself, couldn't it? Believe me, I've stayed up all hours of the night talking with friends about it. But but you're right. He he was the golden child. He produced these things. And, and and look, he influenced the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson tried to be like Phil Spector. Say what you will, Sonny Bono, who trained under Spector and produced some fantastic songs for Sonny and Cher. I mean, yep. I like Sonny and Cher, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, he was very... What, what broke Phil was the Ike and Tina Turner song, River Deep Mountain High, which he spent a tremendous amount of time and money on, and it bombed. And he just could not come to terms with that but uh, he also produced and co-wrote with Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. Death of a Ladies Man and if you've ever heard the stories about that session where he was tying Leonard Cohen to a chair and had a gun pulled on him saying you can sing better left Leonard <laughs> well and that's uh, Phil Spector's love affair with guns and oh. and his volatile temper I mean not a not a good mix you know there's a famous story where he shot a gun in the studio right beside John Lennon. And Lennon said, if you want to shoot me, shoot me. But don't F with my hair, Phil. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. True story. <laughs> yeah, so Phil was... Uh, he never... He never. Um, have you ever seen the movie? No. With Al Pacino playing him? No, I haven't. Oh, Tony, you have to watch this movie. I will. It's, have to, it's really good. I imagine Pacino would do a great Phil Spector. Amazing. Amazing. You know, with the hair and everything. No, it's fantastic. You really should try to find it. It's it's I saw it on uh Netflix, I think. Oh, yeah. so, so you're telling me that Scarface was his uh, warm-up movie so he could do the uh, Phil Spector movie, <laughs> just getting in character a little bit. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> forget the Godfather. <laughs> forget Godfather two, and let's all forget Godfather three, shall we? Yes, let's but, forget um, that one. That was a terrible film. Yeah, it was. What happened, Tony? What I happened? don't know. Jump, jump the shark, as they say. I oh. guess. <laughs> with with Fonzie on the motorcycle. Oh, yes, he did. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Phil Spector this day going to jail. Not a great moment in. Uh, rock and roll history but uh what were the uh charts like that's what i'm curious about well tony you just said it's not a great day in rock and roll history the charts are kind of reflective of that oh are they okay and you'll know why when i number five was a great album by bob dylan called together through life and if you don't know this album everybody listen to it four is rascal flats with unstoppable number three i'm drawing a blank here ciara and an album called fantasy ride Number two, I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass my two daughters. They have this album in their collection, soundtrack to Hannah Montana, the oh, movie. There you go. So it'd be mixed <laughs> artists. Yep. Em- Emily and Linda, Hannah Montana. Um, number one, tell me if you remember this name because I don't. Chrisette Michelle with Epiphany. I don't. So yeah, I'm trying not, a blank. I I couldn't tell you who that is. So there you go. That it's all gravitating towards like bubblegum pop, isn't it? For the- well, Taylor Swift is in the top ten, and so is the 
uh, soundtrack to Twilight. Oh boy. <sighs> so yeah, Phil goes to prison, and we have the soundtrack to Twilight. Hey, were you team? Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know the characters' names. I, team werewolf or team vampire? I, yeah, I, you know what? I've never seen those movies. I remember when they came out because the kids were all excited at school. But uh, I'm proud to say I have not seen a minute of any Twilight film. Um, Stephen Stephen King famously said once, because he was a school teacher, as you are, and he said once, doesn't matter what you read, you should just read. And when those books came out, Stephen King said, do you remember when I said, it doesn't matter what you read? <laughs> <laughs> There's a caveat to this, folks. <laughs> I read the books because my daughter, Emily, I uh, love those books. So she said, Dad, you got to read these books. So as a good dad, I read them. Oh, good for you. Taking one for the team. Good for you. Oh, man. Brutal. Brutal. Well, I think it's uh, time to do our next stop. And uh, I love this next one because it's 1985 and I was in high school. May 25th, 1985. Shall we do it? May 25th. We're good. All right. Here we go. You know, friends, waiting in line for your money isn't fun. Canada Trust has a better idea. Their Johnny Cash money machines are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all day, every day, just for you. So beat the lineups. Pick your own time to get your money. Johnny Cash money machines from Canada Trust. Because, friends, life's too short to walk the line. Well, wouldn't you know it, we're back across the pond in London. It's May 25th, 1985, and I remember this album, but Dire Straits, what a monster hit they had with Brothers in Arms, and this went to number one on on the UK charts, and that album was on the charts forever. I remember that vividly, because um, growing up in North Bay, I'd go over to the North Bay Mall to buy my records, and... um, and then I, you know, I started uh, listening to some cassettes too when I got a Walkman. But I just remember vividly still the poster for Brothers in Arms up in the window of the record shop and uh, just how long that was on the charts. But there's a lot more about this album than just the fact that it charted. There was something pretty special about this. Uh, well, I'm going to let you talk about that because it was a major milestone in uh, recording. Well, it was it was a full digital recording. It was a you know back in those days they used to have to, you know DDD stood for digital direct recording, right? So it's it's mixed digitally. It was recorded digitally. Everything was digital. It was the first, I think, rock album, um, the first album to be released directly to, and it's one of the first rock albums uh, to be released on CD. And the CD sold more copies than the vinyl. Well, that's right. This really was you know the like we were talking before this trip, but the death knell for vinyl and um, everything before, uh, for those who don't know, it used to have to record in analog and then convert to digital. But uh, this was, everything was digital. The whole chain was digital, which was a major milestone because that's how things are done nowadays uh, routinely. Right. But uh, Mm -hmm. there's a funny story where Ryko disc, which was a label that was only putting out CDs, a record disc at the time in 1985 said we're fighting to get our CDs manufactured because the entire worldwide manufacturing capacity was overwhelmed by demand for that CD of Brothers in Arms. 
Well, and I read somewhere that at first, when the, when the first, first CDs started appearing, you know, early 80s, uh, like there were only two factories worldwide yeah. producing CDs. And within a couple of years, I mean, thousands of factories, right? It was just a, an unstoppable, like it or hate it. I mean, because there are arguments for both. Um, that was an unstoppable force, right? The, the well, the, the, big, the big factory was Japan. And if you look at a lot of CDs that came out in the early 80s, well, 85 on, even though they're distributed in North America, I mean, like distributed by Columbia, Canada, it will say manufactured in Japan. And the other one was in West Germany. Well, now it's Germany, but it was West Germany at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, but do you remember how much CDs were then? Oh, they were, they were expensive. Not, yeah. And the players too. They were not cheap. Oh, no, that's right. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I remember just about everybody I knew uh, signed up for that Columbia House thing where you got the 10 CDs. Did you? I did. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's how I started <laughs> building my CD collection, right? 100%, man, 100%. <laughs> it was the best way to get them. Yeah, for sure. But they were incredibly expensive. But uh, this was made digitally and designed to be, really was designed for CD, not really designed for vinyl. And well, the CD was longer than the album. If, um, if, if you look at the album tracks on vinyl and, and CD, the, tr- the songs are longer on the CD. They had to cut them to fit. on Because vinyl, you can only have a maximum of 25 minutes per side. So they had to cut the album, which is, you know, a lot of people didn't know that. I have, because I love, I love, love, love Dire Straits. Oh, me too. Me too. Love them. Mark Knopfler, love him. I think he's um, he's in my top 10, Dire Straits. Um, making movies album probably wore out three copies of that album love it but um, Beatle Connection Beatle Connection do you know the Beatle Connection? well I'm sure there's a few but I'm not off the top of my head no so what's the Beatle Connection? it was recorded digitally in Montserrat at a studio called Air Studios which was owned and operated by Sir George Martin oh there you go there you go (laughs) The McCartney would go and record Tug of War there, Pipes of Peace, all those albums. But anyways, so did you have it on cassette or vinyl or CD? Well, I had it. I bought it on cassette at that time. And, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, and then it wasn't, I didn't start really collecting CDs until a few years later when I hit university. So what's your favorite song on that album? Well, my, my favorite is the song Brothers in Arms. And, and so far away, those two songs jumped to my mind immediately. Yeah, so far away too is a fantastic, um, a fantastic song. But that really propelled Dire Straits, eh, into the stratosphere. Oh. Boy, what a what a huge album! I mean, they, in North America, up to that point, they were a one hit wonder. Songs of Swing. That's right. I mean, the, the Making Movies album, Love Over Gold. Uh, they didn't do as well as I mean, in England, they've always been huge, and and and. You know, uh, Brothers in Arms just propelled them even higher. But that was the album that broke them hugely in North America, in my opinion, anyways. Well, that's right. Like I said, I remember, you know, that poster being there, like, because they would always have a featured poster of an album they were trying to, you know, uh, like, and and that one stayed in the window forever. That was on the charts forever. One of the, and one of the most simplest and most effective album covers of all time. Oh, yeah. It's a great cover. Love that cover. Like, I'm just visu- I'm visualizing the cover right now, you know? Yeah, me too. It's a great album. Great album. So it's good that we can pay a bit of tribute to it because, you know, I think people forget how how ground, I mean, it won, it won Grammys. Yeah, it won two, um, two Grammys that year. 
Yeah, as it should have, you know. Um, and they only did one more album after this, unfortunately. Um, uh, you know, on every street, which is again, uh, you know, a great uh, a great album, uh, calling Elvis and all that. But um, uh, love that album, Tony. Love it. Yeah, and Mark Knopfler is a is a super interesting guy. I I love listening to him play. I love listening to him talk because he's incredibly knowledgeable about his craft too. He has a a radio show on. Um, What's it called? The Bridge, which is a serious FM, serious satellite radio station, and he's on every Saturday. This guy, man, he knows music like oh, like nobody. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, nobody. Yeah, it, it's so fascinating to listen to, you know. So yeah, Mark, we miss you. I hope that the world changes so you can come back over to North America because I, I would like to see you live. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. It'd be great live. My daughter saw him. Uh, just before the lockdown, she saw him in New York City, and she said it was one of the best concerts she ever saw. Oh just wow! At Madison Square Garden, in fact, and uh, she loved. It. And you know who? You know who his opening act was? Get this. Okay, who was it? Bonnie Raitt. Oh my God! Yeah, Bonnie Raitt opened for Mark Knopfler. Jesus. Yeah, and then they came out at the end, and they did a bunch of songs together. Oh, amazing, amazing! Because I, I mean, Bonnie Raitt's incredible. Yeah. I'd go see her alone. You oh, know what I mean? me like, too, as, as the headliner, for sure. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Like, can you imagine seeing them both at the same show? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what was on the charts now, 85? Because uh, this, like I said, my high school days here. So so I want, I'm gonna, I, 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 I want to see you flashback. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to, 85, 68. Do you have any, any, any predictions as to what was in the top five? Oh, boy. Well... As soon as I tell you, you're going to go, of course, of course. You know what I mean? Like yeah, because it's, it's all going to, it's going to be some synth pop in there for sure or something. No, no. Really? Okay. No. Okay. No. What was in that? Give me the top five here. Okay. Number five is Prince with Around the World in a Day. Okay. You know, number four was this guy from Jersey named Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You may have heard that album. <laughs> Uh, number three is the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop. So yeah, there's some synth pop in that one. Oh my! And that again, man, did that ever stick around? Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, it's massive, right? <laughs> like I, we had a couple of theaters in North Bay, and and it seemed like that movie was in the theater for like a year. You know, it just <laughs> same in Whitby. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw it three times because I just wanted to go to a movie. It's like, oh, okay, we'll go see Beverly Hills Cop again. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that uh, did a lot for Eddie Murphy, too. Holy cow. Uh, number two, USA for Africa, We Are the World album. Okay. And I know you're going to love number one. Number one was Phil Collins, No Jacket Required. Oh, my gosh, I have that. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I knew you. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> and what a, again, what a great album. I know, like, everybody, though, everybody had that album, No Jacket everybody. Required. Yeah, it's just it's one of those albums that you go into anyone's record collection, CD or otherwise, and it's there. Vinyl, CD, cassette, it's it's somewhere in that house, you know. And and again, talk about a, a distinctive cover, right? Just that close up of Phil's face, like I can just classic. Yeah, classic, simple. But you but you know, number six, just missing out the top ten. She's going to come into the top five. No, sorry, she's in the top ten. She's just missing on the top five. Someone who I love, Charday. Um, oh, me too. Me too. Love her. Love. Where is she these days? Uh, I don't know. And one of my all-time favorites, number ten was, and I, 
Okay. Love this man. And I love CCR. John Fogarty with center field, man. Yeah. John Fogarty is an interesting cat, isn't he? Boy, the struggles too, that he went through like after, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know on the old show uh, that we were doing together, I always wanted to, we never got to do it, but uh, an episode about him, you know, how he had, how he got sued for copying himself. Like, well, what? <laughs> well, what, well, you know what, we should drive down to, uh, we should drive down and hang out at the lawsuit for that one, because that was fascinating. Well, He's, the week that comes up in rock history, we'll do yeah, that for we sure. we have to. Can the, you imagine being sued by, your, by yourself? Because you sound too much like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh poor guy I, and i tell you i see i was so fortunate to see him live a couple of years ago uh, tony if you ever get a chance to see him live he's still great he's still it's amazing he's i love john forgery and i love the song center field i play it every year because you know i'm a big baseball guy well that's right uh jay's won last night that's Can't right beat boston See, I think it was the I think it was the video I sent you of my dog playing catch. Yes. With the- <laughs> and I, here's the, here's the funny thing, folks. Uh, Tony sends me a, a video of his dog playing catch, and he said he could, she could play for the Jays. And I wrote back to him as a joke. She's probably better than Bo Bichette. And just as I wrote that, who made an error on the Jays? Bo Bichette. Well, there you go. <laughs> Watch out, Bo, because <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's harder way. <laughs> No, it was very good. Yeah. So there you go. That's the top five. Phil Collins, Bruce Springsteen, Prince. Good year, you know. You must have had a great year. I was in college when you were in high school. Yeah, so this, that would be, uh, I would have been finishing up grade 10 right about now. I remember, getting, you know, getting my first part-time job and stuff. And yeah. Oh, you young whippersnappers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess uh, what a great road trip again. Uh, boy, uh, interesting week. And uh, yeah. embarrassment of riches. Like we had a lot of... Uh, decision making to do once again but uh, you ready to go back home why not all right let's do it <laughs> can uh, we get before we go i know i'm a vegetarian but can we get some fish and chips which don't tell anyone i just got to get some london fish and chips man yeah let's do it let's get some fish and chips and then uh, let's go home all right all right punch it in Well, it's always fun to go on these road trips, but it's always great to come back home too and know that, uh, you know, the Wayback Music Machine has been working reliably. That one time that uh, we had the issue, that was it. So we're doing pretty well, but... uh, I think you need to check the air in the front right, though. Okay, I'll I'll check that out. Um, And you know what? (laughs) I guess we've been doing a lot of chart talk tonight, as usual. and uh, As usual, yeah. And I guess it's time for me to find out what the kids are listening to today. So you have a, a chart song for me. Well, I thought I'd go over the number, a former number one album, because we talked about albums. And I thought, you know what? Uh, I want to see your opinion of Dua Lipa. Oh. Uh, and uh, I sent you a song featuring Da Baby. Okay. And it's called, <laughs> called Future Nostalgia. So... As uh, the Wolfman used to say, dig it. <laughs> oh boy, yes, I'm going to be wanting to dig something. Maybe a grave for myself to jump <laughs> into. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, put it on. I'll listen to it right now. Here we go. All right. All right. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, right? You know how, what year are we, 2021? And we're still listening to the Beatles 
yeah. You know, the kinks. Oh, who? it's yeah. It, it and I, you know, I'm going to sound old and and lamenting the state of music, but I mean, I. It's first of all, these are just my impressions. So as an old guy, um, very formula, very predictable. Because I, I said to you as I was listening, oh, the rap break should be in, uh, and maybe that's a thing now that it has to have, and and that's fine. And um, but it's it's very predictable, and I almost think like the, and I know there's always been song factories, right? Like it goes back to Tin Pan Alley days, like they had, but it, it almost feels like you're writing a song for the end outcome as opposed to writing a song because it's a great song. Am I making any sense here? Like, so yeah. you're, you're writing this song. Oh, this is going to, this is going to be a hit and it's, and, and people are going to dance to it. And, but you're not t- making any consideration of the, the quality of the song, which maybe I'm very naive by saying that because maybe it's it's always been that way but you know i i can remember days when really great songs have made the charts and well and a song like uh, silk sonic that we did uh, a few weeks ago leave the door open right which is a, it's a well-crafted song uh now i'm revealing my own biases here but at least in this one the auto tune wasn't as in your face as yeah. some of the other ones we've talked about in the charts. True. Yeah. Uh, but but this felt like it was made in a meat grinder that just pumps out dance tunes and and maybe that's fine. Um I worry and I know we've had this discussion before. Uh I worried that creativity is just dying because of streaming and and maybe this is just what we get when that happens, you know. See, it's funny you say that because I was going to say that song is meant for streaming. Oh, it's, it's it, it totally it, meant. No one's buying the record. No one's going out and purchasing a seven-inch single or an album. They're just streaming it. And because it's streamed, it makes the charts. Well, and, but, and you can tell it's made for streaming because it's, it, I, I didn't know this until a little while ago that it doesn't count as a stream until it hits 30 seconds. So they right. So they throw everything at you in the first 30 seconds to get you to stay on to 31 seconds. Right, and then after that, it doesn't matter. No, so, and again, same thing. So there's no more build-ups to songs, no more. It's, uh, you know, launch right in because you got to get people to that 31-second mark so that uh, the artist can collect their one one-thousandth of a penny for that stream, you know? Well, you know, when you say that, you think a song is like Nothing Compares to You by, by Sinead O'Connor, which, first of all, I love her voice, but that slow build-up to that song, like yeah. it doesn't kick in all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like that. You know, this very slow one note. Yep. You know, it's been seven hours and fifteen days. Yeah, right? could, couldn't do that today. That that you absolutely could not do that if a song is designed for streaming today. Not a chance. No, no, no. That song is meant for streaming, and that song was was. It, it's like someone sat down and said, "Okay, you know, they, they designed the song like they designed a package for cereal." Yeah, exactly right. And yeah. using using software and just put some loops and beats in, and and yeah. Well, you know what? We'll t- that, that's a topic for another day, but. Uh, I hear you. Not my favorite, for sure. No, uh, no. I, I had to, you know, I was looking at the album charts and I thought, well, this is a sad state of affairs. But, you you, you know, again, look at 1985, Tony. You've got Phil Collins, number one. Yep. Uh, you know, you have Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. with a song like, you know, uh, not born in the USA, but uh, I'm on fire. Oh, that one of my favorites. I was just going to say, I was just going to mention I'm on fire. Like, what a great song. 
fantastic, but it, it would not be a hit in, in 2021. No. There's no chance. No. Um, yeah, interesting state of affairs for sure, and, and we'll see where this goes, but, uh, you know, I liked the Art Deco stuff in the video. I'm a big Art Deco fan, so, like, in the elevator, they had the Art Deco. Yeah, I, I, that, yeah, that didn't bother me. And, and you know what, it's not, it's not, she's not horrible, horrible, but it's just... Yeah. It's just wallpaper. Well, you see, that's right. You see these artists just choosing music that really doesn't showcase their talents as well as they could. But again, maybe I'm just old and, you know, grumpy. But we're we're both old. And I'm definitely grumpy these days. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But you know what? I'm not grumpy about today's road trip. That was fantastic. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a fun, fun show. And you know what? The best part of the road trip was spending time with you. So it was awesome. Same here. Likewise. Well, here we are. We're pulling it to your place. But... uh, Hope you have a good week, my friend, and I'm looking forward to seeing where we're going next week. Oh, I just I love I love uh, when you uh, roll the dice and we figure out where we're going. It's my favorite thing. So all right, until until next week, have a good uh, good week yourself, my friend. You too. See you later. Music for today's episode of the Wayback Music Machine podcast was written by Rick Denee. The show notes, chart selection, and Spotify playlist were created by Aaron Badgley. And the artwork, recording, editing, and sound production was done by Tony Stewart. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to tell a friend or two. And don't forget to click follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player to get the latest episodes automatically. And we'd love it if you would leave us a review. You can also engage with the show by going on our website and leaving us a voicemail. We may even play your voicemail on an upcoming episode. Thanks for taking this road trip with us, and we'll see you next time on the Wayback Music Machine Podcast. Hey, turn the radio up. I love this song. The Wayback Music Machine Podcast is a Stewie Tunes production.